Hi, welcome to Curse of Good Ideas. You all, this is a very special episode. We are in Taipei, and I'm briefly back here, and Patrick is also here. Hello, everyone. This is Patrick. This feels very good to be live. And yeah. uh, Dino is uh, also around, but from Wuhan. I'm around. I'm yeah. around. Yeah. I'm around. I'm around. Yeah. Good. <laughs> and we have a very special guest who's also in Taipei, uh, Nell. Hi everyone, this is Nell. And um, we'll just talk about what Nell's been doing in Taipei. And yeah. it's also a special time because it's right after the elections. So Yeah. Have you yeah. been? Yes, oh? I actually yeah. went to um, a ballot count. Yeah. Oh, oh wow. Okay. Yeah, at, at uh, Taiwan uh, National, uh, National Taiwan Normal University. Shita. Um That was... I mean, it was a lot of things. Has anyone else been? Have you been? No, we're in a pub. Oh, it was pretty like. Oh yeah, I mean, it was just the sound was very captivating. I mean, everyone had a sort of different rhythm of counting the ballots, and it seemed like each room only had one ballot box to get through, and there was a lot of sort of like very, it was very like exhibitionary. Wow, I wouldn't say exhibitionist, mm-hmm, right. <laughs> but there was a lot of sort of like people would like say the vote on a ballot and then hold it up in such a way so that the people who wanted to see the ballot could see that that was what it had said before yeah. a second person would um, uh, call in response what was on the ballot before marking a sort of sheet of paper in the front of the wall. I mean, there's actually a lot of footage of it going around on hmm. um, on Twitter yeah, right I saw now. It. Yeah. So was it all filmed? Like they were... Ha- like. It's interesting. It's filming. No, no. no. It's interesting because I've actually heard before I went. I was actually told by a Taiwanese person that um, you're not allowed to use your your camera devices. But now it doesn't seem to be the case because a lot of people actually were sort of taking photos or filming or even openly recording the what was being called on the ballots so that I don't know should they want to like verify that what's on the tallies is actually correct. Um, but no, from what I could tell, it was really just held up for the sort of like public viewing. Mm-hmm. And there were actually on occasion people who were like, no, that's not what that ballot said. You wrote the wrong thing up there. And I, yeah, I heard so sad. They would go back. Wow. That's, how many people were watching this? Like as spectators? Um, I would say, so I was at a pretty sort of, um, like a pretty public voting space because it was the university. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to say it was like actually quite a few voting booths and then there were i think four rooms for counting and in each room i want to say anywhere from about like five people to like 15 (laughs) and maybe there were like anywhere from two to three police officers in each one um but that was also the really interesting thing about it is that the police officers weren't actually there to really like surprise anything Mm -hmm. they were largely sort of meandering it on their phones okay (laughs) <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because I think it worked quite well as like a photo op hmm. for international press. Mm. I mean, I saw some tweets from really the US funny. saying like, hmm. "This is like the best voting system ever." Like Taiwan mm. is too advanced and counting votes because it's not like yeah. it's impossible to cheat and it's like so like, transparent. So right. maybe that's why. They're... Right. That's interesting. I had no idea that that's what they do here. And yeah. Certainly nothing like that in in the US that yeah. I'm aware of. You know. Like... And it only takes up to. What is it? I don't know how long it took this year, but on average, I, I was think impressed. It takes, it takes about up to five hours to count yeah. the vote wow. for the country. Hmm. I was impressed that they wow. voted for like a day. I don't know how much we voted in the U.S. I think yeah, mm-hmm. no, Italy is like nine oh. to four only. 
But only one day? Yeah, okay. polls are open from 9 o'clock to 4 o'clock. Okay. Yeah, in, in different places in the U.S. you have some accommodation for like early voting and you can like roll up a week early, but I don't know that that is the case for say like federal elections oh, right. and different states. Part of what makes America such a shit show is that like the voting system is like literally designed differently in every state for mm-hmm. things like mm-hmm. this, like deadlines for mail-in ballots and stuff like that because it's a kind of a decentralized system. Mostly as a holdover from slavery yeah. and yeah. <laughs> colonialism. <laughs> yeah. Cool. I, it's it's interesting that you that you saw like some kind of performative in it, or like mm-hmm. exhibitionism. Mm-hmm. Yesterday I was telling him my feeling that Taiwan is like a country that's largely feels like it's cosplaying <laughs> being a nation. I've been telling like so many people that you say that. That well, you've said that. Yeah. <laughs> that's an amazing. But there's like something that I don't know resonates with that. Like this. Uh, Exhibitionism. Yeah. Can you unpack that just, just a tiny I don't bit? Know. Cosplaying I mean, just, just a nation. The, it's like just a feeling I had of seeing things that maybe would not be needed, but they're still performed. Mm-hmm. Or they're performed in a way to be like, hey, like we're for real. Mm-hmm. Uh, bureaucracy, probably especially bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. Not in a like nationalist, uh, like love my nation kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like in more innocuous, uh, mm-hmm. but still like. Oh, yeah, and yesterday you, you mentioned the politician who's been campaigning in cosplay, which right. is probably a good <laughs> <laughs> embodiment of this, uh, mm. if, if there is such a thing. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I actually have thought about um, that point that you made. You said that to me a couple, what is it, a couple months ago yeah. now? And I was actually thinking about that and um, sort of around the same vein, I was thinking about how the relationship the relation between a nation state and citizenry is usually extractive in a way that I don't really see in Taiwan. Hmm. And sort of like, I've been, <laughs> um, you know, for the most part, um, I don't know, there's a, there's a, yes, there's a sense of crisis, but I think in, mm-hmm. in a lot of parts of ordinary life, there's also a sense of contentment that I don't really see in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and there's just, um, Oh, you know what it was? I was actually talking to somebody about the about Taiwan's uh, mandatory um, enlistment, right? No, right what is yeah. it mandatory? Yeah, yeah. Right. So the 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 men are sort of requ- are required to do their military service, right? And somebody, one of some Taiwanese are actually telling me about how it was six months of really just a bit of a joke because he had actually gained weight <laughs> in the in the during his time there. Amazing. And I was just thinking about the ways that. I don't know, there's something about not having to to sort of defend your, the energy that one would spend on like having to defend yourself as a nation state has actually been directed at, I don't know, just like fostering some kind of, I don't know, goodness, peopleness, mm. Mm. health insurance. Right, yeah. Yeah, I think I was, to me it was also connected to this the recognition thing in Taiwan mm. being, you know, practically a sovereign country with right. all its trappings, but not being recognized maybe makes people feel like they have to perform mm-hmm. what it's missing. Whereas mm-hmm. in the US, like it's so enforced and so like part of mm-hmm. the discourse and so like clear that everybody knows that yeah. this is a nation and <laughs> acknowledges mm-hmm. it. But. It's certainly, I mean, just to say some sort of vague approving kind of thing, it does seem 
coming here from America, it seems right. like, well, on the one hand, you know, it's a liberal democracy like any other, which is to say like a, uh, a form of government that maybe has a question mark over its future. And it's obviously very like uh, uh, corrupt and there's a lot of clientelism here. But at the same time, I think it almost makes me feel, it almost makes me act like liberal rather right. than a radical because <laughs> it seems like people do take it more seriously here than the U.S. So like there's a kind of less cynicism about yeah, yeah, it, perhaps because it's a more like recent historical institution or because like the relationship with China pressurizes the election so immensely. What um, do you mean you don't need leftism? Say, say that again? This, this is sort of what I'm hearing is what do you mean you don't need leftism here? Oh, I see. Well, <laughs> you know, I would love to. I mean, my radical vision for Taiwan is just, just fuck independence, just bypass the nation state as a form of political right, of organization, course. right? But uh, but it is kind of it is kind of it almost yeah almost makes me rest on my laurels as as a right, a liberal right, democrat. Right, right. Maybe just to fill fill you in and fill the audience in after this introduction, maybe we can uh, know more about what Nell has been doing and what's his background. Oh God, should I say you're an anthropologist? Yeah, I mean I suppose <laughs> I am a uh, anthropologist uh, PhD student. Um, I am currently in. Uh, Taipei at the International Chinese Language Program. Okay. Um, and I'm preparing for field work in Shenzhen and Hong Kong on, I guess, different uh, monetary practices and the differences in the very sort of like confined or closed spaces in which, on one hand, people are pretty much only using um, applications, um, mobile wallets to do most of their transactions. And on the other hand, um, in Hong Kong, where people are sort of pretty insistent about using cash mm -hmm. and sort of um, avoiding any potential avenues of surveillance control. or formalization or control. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm hoping to sort of get there and straddle the border a little bit and see. Right. So this is on. only like a language training yeah. year. Yeah. I mean, presently, I mean, certainly it, um, there's plenty of data to be collected in Taiwan right, as well. Yeah. But um, if anyone knows ICLP, they know that there's not much mm -hmm. time left over. No. What, what kind of, um, I don't know, because we talked a little bit a couple months ago, but mm. what are you thinking about looking into? Like, did you have new ideas or, or have you went on with, some, with your original plan? Um, yeah, I mean, this is a little bit strange because... Um, I'm presently in the process of resubmitting my prospectus, and uh, you and I just had that exchange a couple yeah. weeks ago about consistently dissociating from mm. one's dissertation. <laughs> so, I mean, most sort of like, uh, I think on the sort of like really creative days the project is about, is has its roots in some of the work and research and the writing that I've been doing about uh, financial domination, right. the erotic, the sex play of like a, a financial domination and the ways that uh, money applications are able to sort of like remediate or like provide the groundwork for like other weird new silly desires to come into being and I guess I'm trying to see if some version of that sort can be uh, mapped onto the ways that um, the very sort of the very mundane practices of transaction are potentially also shifting in in weird or funky ways. Right. I think a lot of people have maybe seen that TikTok video 
Except it probably wasn't TikTok because it actually came out of China. So, so it's a Chinese like yeah. Douyin so, one. Oh, no. yeah. Which one is it? It's the one where um, I mean they come up with so much good stuff. Sure. But the one in particular I'm thinking of is the two men with their they they each have um, smartphones strapped to their hands and they're oh. in the middle of yeah. the arm wrestle. Mm. And on you know on either side of them there's also phones open with the QR code, and so the winner drags the loser's hand over onto um, a phone with a QR code open and it makes a deposit because it scans mm. the QR code. Mm. Um, and I think that video got around right. a lot. Yeah, so that's, I that's that I, I would consider one of the sort of like yeah. funny play things of mm. coming out of, of mobile wallets. Because, I, I mean, yesterday we were talking about fandom. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know much. I know the concept, but I don't really know the history of it. And I was wondering, is it how did it work before mobile apps? Like, did it come up with credit cards and bank accounts? Or or has it like a super long history, human history? I mean, I don't, I think there are so many avenues that you can sort of decide on, right? Um, like, I predominantly work with um, sort of like men on men financial domination, if you okay, want to call it that, right? Yesterday mm -hmm. we were thinking, it's, is it a, like a straight Mostly it also thing. is right, but like in the in like so so. Uh, we with, should well, just maybe you can just tell the naive listener oh. what financial domination <laughs> oh, is. Oh right, right. Um, yeah. So let's. Um, God, <laughs> financial domination is if my friend described it. I have a good friend who had to describe my project in the bar once, okay. and she described it as it's as if I said to you. Um, you're such a stupid fucking faggot, give me your money. And then you did, and you enjoyed it. And that's financial domination. Perfect. Amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I suppose it's... Um, so financial domination is a relationship between a dom and a, a dominant and a submissive in which the submissive sends money, usually through the internet, without ever meeting the dominant and of course there are all of these other sort of oh, okay so there's no uh, yeah other, okay. there's there i mean there are all sorts of sort of like corollaries and supplementals right. to it but um fundamentally it's that right and then whatever they want to do beyond that whether that's meeting in person um buying you know panties mm -hmm. or um buying videos or buying pictures or um raising a price on something or um, just arbitrarily sending money, all of those things sort of is up for grabs mm. and can change from relation to relation. But fundamentally, it's the... Uh, God, I hesitate to call it role play, but there's the sort of the um, power exchange mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to it, to use the sort of SM term, right? Mm -hmm. um, what was so the, mon the, the money transaction and like control yeah. substitutes yeah. anything like physical or even like... Yeah, I mean, yeah, transaction and finger quotes, right? Because yeah. there's, it's very sort of, there's a lot of, th there's a lot of work that goes into it um, that there's a lot of work on both ends done in order to obscure sort of the fact that it's transaction, right? There's a lot of sort of um, the, okay. the fact that it's sliding scale, um, the mm. fact that you're, you know, quote unquote, paying for abuse. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of sort of like, language play about it being deserved there's a lot of stuff about of uh, right it's um hardly ever called payment you know you call it things like tribute or gifts 
or mm-hmm. allowance <clears throat> or um, reimbursement, right? There's mm-hmm. a lot of sort of like language play that goes into claiming the money, yeah. So to obscure the fact that it's like actually that it might be part. transaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. that's that's super interesting. Yeah. But but you like I don't know. Yeah, but to obscure. <clears throat> sorry, is that to obscure the fact that it's a transactional for for sustaining the fantasy of the power difference, or to obscure the fact that it's transactional so that it's not for like legal reasons, so it's not classified as a form of sex work. I don't know. I mean, I think it's both. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, to answer your question earlier about where it comes from or where it has its roots, right? I mean, I think about, um, for example, I had this conversation in, like, in Men on Men Findom, it's a lot of people who actually come from bodybuilding, right? Mm. Okay. And bodybuilding culture, um, from what I've heard, um, also has this sort of underlying assumption that like, if a bodybuilder does sex work, nobody is surprised, mm-hmm. right? And so there's a lot of like, um, and there's also a very long history in bodybuilding in which um, people pay for the exhibitionism mm-hmm. of the bodybuilder. Mm-hmm. Um, the sort of like the strong man yeah. sort of archetype, right? Um, but then also I think there's um, eBay, I think, had something to do with it, wow. I'm sure, also. Okay. Wow. Um, uh, I mentioned earlier about selling panties, yeah, right? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And I think the earliest, I mean, the earliest, one of my earliest encounters with like something resembling Findom was... In the movie, what is it? I think it's called Little Children. It was a book. It was a novel. Um, And I think Kate Winslet's husband is addicted to a sort of like a a model on the internet. And he's like spending all of their money on on, um, pictures of her. And eventually he pays for her to send him her underwear. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are sort of iterations of that that we can imagine in sort of like the 1990s internet. Mm. right yeah so okay but uh, financially so you think it's it has been made possible by let's say digital payment virtual money like or at least credit card bank accounts yeah i think so because before there was really no way i mean you would have sent money by like mm-hmm. i don't know like wire or something yeah like, yeah i wonder if it exists huh. i don't know How, is it a recent term because i mean i i Fendom. I think so. I've seen it like only recently. I, I think so. Is that a Chinese version of it? I mean, I've heard of English too, and I've never heard it in Chinese, but um, I'm aware of other similar behaviors. Like uh, in my, my own research, I studied female live streamers, uh, live performers. They, not, they're not exactly cam girls because they don't do actual yoga performance, but they are males who. Um, don't make money, but in, in like um, in a sort of similar level of obsession, not actually looking for uh, some form of like sexual favor, not really, but just really just trying to um, I don't know, like in a way want to be in that financially submissive role, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that, I don't know of any term for it. That's. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of the directions um, I've thought about going, and I would actually really love to hear more about that from you, um, having already encountered some of your work on Drupal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I definitely, I think of it as sort of like a, a cousin phenomenon to sort of like, you know, the, the eating videos coming right. out of sort of like Japanese, Korea, and China. Um, I think, I mean, I've certainly seen 
some sort of um, wisps of Findom presence coming from the Philippines. Mm. Um, but I don't know if there's a sort of like a formal naming that's happened in China. How, what, what is the... Because I know you, you plan to go to field work mm. in Shenzhen. And, right, in Hong Kong. Yeah. Uh, okay. Is it a like purposeful choice? Like you already know something happening there or because of the... I think it was just seeing um, things like WeChat Pay right. uh, explode on such a sort of uh, grander scale and sort of um, being somewhat certain that by virtue of that sort of um, massive transformation of payment, yeah. that I was sure that something was yeah, happening. Because yeah. Yeah. No, I was thinking Hong Kong Shenzhen is so interesting because of the border and right. all the kind of monetary exchanges that might be going on on different systems or like mm. of people going to Shenzhen to find uh, whatever they want right, or the exactly. other way around. Yeah. I mean, one of the really s- sort of like the cheeky ways that I frame the project is um, that the project is about how people continue buying sex or buying drugs without cash, right? Mm-hmm. Which is a really big part of why, of why the state would like something like, you know, Apple Pay or WeChat Pay or what have you. And, you know, outside of the fact that companies want your data, it right. also is able to sort of formalize all of these things, all of these transactions that up until very recently has, have sort of needed to or benefited from being illicit. Uh, mm-hmm. by being um, illicit or um, non-tracked, uh, informal, informal yeah. right. Yeah, I imagine, I don't know exactly how it works now. I mean, I imagine in China, prostitution and like mm. drugs, whatever, they're still all paid by cash or through digital payments, but through like hoops and maskings. I don't know. Do you know, do you know anything about this? So I don't know about drugs. Um, <laughs> Good. Uh, we clear that. Um, me. <laughs> I mean, not in China. Yeah. yeah. But um, prostitution, yeah. Um, so with prostitution, um, it's quite interesting. There was a recent case. Somebody sent me like a news clip or something that someone got incriminated due to that transaction record on uh, WeChat because okay. um, they um, went to some massage parlor, obviously, and then paid a large sum of money. Uh, and mm. police suspected that's not for a uh, foot massage. Obviously, we don't pay <laughs> like 2,000 RMB for foot massage. So um, that was used as evidence against him um, to finance us. I mean, he was obviously the, the, the prostitute, you know. Um, it's still very common. Uh, as far as I know, a lot of men uh, use a digital payment when they visit this sort of spaces and I don't know I mean I'm sure they're aware of the danger of leaving a sort of a digital receipt on mm-hmm. their phone or I mean in the, right. in the system um, especially everything is in real, real name. name so I'm, I'm not, not sure. sure I mean as far as I know as far as I know that people mostly use digital payment for prostitution but at the same time you would imagine they won't use cash yeah right I find it, I think it's interesting in this case, Findom could actually exploit exchanges, transactions that are not actually tracked or too sensible. Like on WeChat, you can send, you know, like Hongbao, like the red packets or whatever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like P2P. And it would be hard to say, okay, I know this was like a sex work transaction or anything. Mm-hmm. Could it just be, oh yeah, sending like a little gift to my friend or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
But on the other hand, they would have to, like, if you look at the history, then it could be like the chat history. Like, if people are using WeChat, right. not other medium, that could be more sensitive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the other thing is that, um, that uh, I don't know if you, uh, I've been paying a lot of attention to the green cap thing, like the web page of, um, uh, like, basically confessions about cacos or victimhood of cacodry. So, um, <laughs> in one of these cases, a lot of wives, and especially women, like wives or girlfriends, they would uh, not check just the chat history of chat logs of their boyfriends or husbands, but their transaction history. Oh. So if they notice something like absurdly expensive that would spend at some whatever uh, foot massage or entertainment facility or whatever that is, or right. like it looks anything that looks suspiciously expensive, and um, yeah, and that would use against as evidence against them and uh, a lot of people would actually upload those screenshots when they submit this um, story obviously the, the all the the numbers and names will be blurred out but yeah you can actually see them in the web post like this this is the oh that's fast uh, we chat receipt of visiting uh, some Brussels or something, but I mean, the because the wives or girlfriends submit those stuff to the web or account, then the person posts it, a sort of public shaming thing, even mm. though we don't know. I mean, the names are blurred, but you know, like that's one of the. Oh, that's fascinating. Could there. you actually could you link me to to some of those? I mean, you you would probably find it if you just search on web or like new mouse. <laughs> green yeah, hat. just just uh, for a vocabulary moment for the audience. <clears throat> so new mouse means green hat, right? Yeah. Which, which is a, I don't know where it comes from though, but it means to Supposedly, be. it comes from like, uh, like Qing Dynasty, oh, okay. where like the husband of a prostitute would wear a green hat. Okay. Cool. cool. I mean, on I purpose. Don't exactly. <laughs> you know, like he wants know, everyone to know. To is he advertising? Like what yeah. What is the purpose of the hat? Do we know? I don't know, just to let everyone in, every, everyone know that uh, you, you are like a cock or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I don't know exact history of it, but it's sort of a, a in like in contemporary history, it becomes a symbol of um, of being a cock, basically. Yeah, being cheated on. What's the, yeah. Do you have a word in English? Because in Italy, we say like to have horns. Uh, like on yeah, the head? Yeah, I mean, cuckold's an English cuckold is expression. Just it's very old-fashioned. It's French. And I think it's yeah, an it's internet French. phenomenon that it's been Because yeah, it has changed. Like, now yeah. cuckoldry is like a... Like, people are into it. Yeah, now it's a thing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, same thing. There's a, there's a term <coughs> called Numao Tingjie, or basically green hat complex. It's basically the same thing as someone who's uh, obsessed mm. to... I mean, who, who derives pleasure from being a cuck, basically. That. It's the same thing. Right. Yeah. 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 Just different kind of metaphoric strategy in devising the term, I guess. Yeah, but interesting. Like the use of, the, of like a Qing Dynasty era symbol is yeah. a, is an interesting analog to like reviving the word cuckold, mm-hmm. which is not. Where does it, it come from? I, I don't even know what it means. What does it mean? Cuckold. I mean, I know like means, the meaning, but like yeah. a, cuck, a bird. Where's the but word? Etymologically. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Do you have any idea? I don't nest. think I do. Yeah. It sounds very strange. I think it's if I think it's it might be old English. Uh-huh. I don't know. I I know that uh, one of my sort of earliest encounters was uh, was reading it in uh, in like old English plays, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. plays of. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah, and it had that meaning already. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. Those. Yeah. I mean. Those. Yeah. Similar. What's interesting about 
Findom. Something that's interesting about Findom is like, where is the where's the pivot point when it goes from being like sending money to um, uh, a hot girl on the internet to it being enacting a relationship of domination for that being the specific for that being the explicit fantasy rather than just perhaps the like libidinal subtext you know what i mean uh yeah yeah and then and then i think the interesting question here is what role does the insubstantiality of like digital money have to play in this or you know this that like it's like uh it's so it's so mediated, right? It's not just the medium of money, which is already like this hyper-mediated thing that everything can be dissolved into, but now it's like this remediated form of money in the form of like digital code and like compressed images and you know what what's the what's the libidinal dynamics of that that makes that so appealing? Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think I personally think that question about um, the libidinality of money is actually a question that anyone can answer Mm. um i think everyone has a libidinal relation to money i think it's just an easy one to have oh yeah um everything down (laughs) to sort of you know (laughs) what i mean like everything down to (laughs) the like insertion of the dollar bill into your nostril Mm. when you like do your line Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. um Hmm. there's just i um you know like folding up the bill for like the stripper you know mm-hmm, just like mm-hmm. there are all sorts of like ways that like people make money sexy and just like daily mm-hmm, life mm-hmm. so that's the sort of like very i think the shortcut version of answering the question is you know there is there's there is no limit yeah. right i mean you keep it like on your crotch all the time right? <laughs> <laughs> or near your ass i don't know <laughs> yeah. i hadn't thought about that but you're right yeah yeah um, but I think, you know, I think when it comes to Findom, there's a lot of, um, uh, yeah, I mean, there is no limit, but again, there's a lot of sort of, uh, language play that like, mm. you know, there's a lot of, uh, using, you know, the referring to one's wallet as like a metaphor for a pussy, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. like there's mm. a lot of talk about fucking a wallet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if this answers your question. Yeah. No, no, it's, I mean, no, it's it just it kind of like, it totally answers what's sexy about Fendom, yeah. and that it's like, it makes the libidinality of money explicit. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, and also, I suppose the other thing that would distinguish it is that, it, is that it's precisely like a dom-sub relationship. It's that necessary for lib- libidinalizing money, I guess so. It's funny, right? I think, yeah. I think like many things in SM, and mm-hmm. interestingly enough, also like many things in transaction, mm-hmm. there's a lot of double consciousness that sustains it, mm. right? Mm. Um, a sub is able to sort of, you know, if they need to, they sort of are able to convince themselves that they're supporting their neighborhood, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. dominatrix, mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, supporting a, mm. a local business or yeah. suffering student or what have you, right? Yeah. And again, there's also all sorts of brain exercises, for the lack of a better word, that um, somebody in the in uh, the dom dom position can also say it's you know mm-hmm. uh, either it's it's work or I mean it's certainly um, depending on who you are it could certainly be so much more money than you would be making at any right, yeah. job yeah. right I mean some actually refer to it strictly as work because they don't need to do anything else or they would rather just be doing this than you know any job that they could have. And I suppose Findom, I suppose what's interesting, uh, 
about it or a distinguishing about it is, is the way that it, it figures, the way it combines uh, what we're terming like the libidinality of money with the libidinality specific to the internet, like scrolling through photos of models on Instagram or like just the onanistic quality of like swiping right or swiping left, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's there's a total like, there's a t the physical action of interfacing with the screen, the keyboard, the phone has an erotic charge in a lot of contexts. And so this is like almost figuring out how to libidinalize the, the, the digital materiality of money, right? Mm -hmm. Figuring out like what's the material practice that's the online equivalent of snorting, right? Or of placing the bill in the stripper's thong. So it's like a, a convergence of two different um, forms of like sex, sexy practice. <laughs> right. I mean, it definitely is. It's funny that you put it that way because it, it is funny to think about uh, li libidinalizing something as a way of sense making, mm. right? As a way mm. of like, as a way of sort of um, uh, internalizing, mm. a, 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 I don't know, a new technology or what yeah. have you. Yeah. Like domesticating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like turning, figuring out like, yeah, turning it into a prosthesis and also figuring out what new pleasures this prosthesis affords, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm, know? Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know. I, to me, it strikes me that all the, like, let's take WeChat. It was just an app for chatting and then kind of managed to get people to give everything to it. Like, <laughs> your credit card, leave your credit card, ID, everything. Yeah. Because it's like convenient and there's like, you can win some money and you can... So I don't know. Is this like a way to kind of reclaim... You're like, okay, this app has everything hmm. about me. So how can I like use it to... Hmm. Right. Can it be my kink? Like, yeah. <laughs> I get my credit card to it and I'm going to just fucking be dominated by it. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, I think that's definitely one of the sort of... For me, one of the most exciting um, things that can be mm. said about uh, that realm in the way that it... I think it... it sort of derails a lot of the work that people try to do about usability, mm. right? Usability and function, right? How do we make the product that people want or need to use, right? When in reality, it's this really just this weird, like, libidinalizing or, like, gamification of, mm. like, gadgets and, and mm. capital, right? Like, mm. people, like, the idea that people don't actually know what's useful for them or that they don't actually care about usability or even convenience that there's just something about pleasure and fun that like is not necessarily more maybe maybe not more exciting but more that has a bit more momentum to it going back to, i'm curious about going back to the bodybuilding gyms yeah. I, I wonder like when you go to a gym with your friends right mm -hmm. so like yeah just do it you know all wraps and stuff right there is a there is this kind of a bro mm -hmm. brochality uh -huh. you are yeah absolutely and I wonder if that is kind of what evolved into, like some of it went from that into Fendom. Or, or like it's being competitive and like being, you know, mm. like when you're doing your reps, you're like kind of submitted to someone who's like, you can do it, like do more and then you're like, you can reverse or whatever. Mm. Because like I imagine now it's, maybe it's, it's kind of disconnected from this if it just happens online and you don't even know mm. that person. And there is like, so the only... The only thing that mediates is money. There is no more. What What's the part like the penny part doesn't exist anymore? You don't, or does it still exist? The panic part? No, no, the pan, like buying panties on. Oh, the panty part. Mm. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think people are buying clothes all the time. Okay, it still happens. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's funny. I mean, I just saw you know, a tweet about the the sort of implicit homosociality of misogyny, mm-hmm. right? Of, right, right, yeah. of yeah, yeah. the ways that men, you know, just um, treat women badly so that you know the sort of like I feel like the classic stereotype is so that they have you know the story to tell or something Mm. like that right and yeah I mean I think there's all sorts of like at at uh, at once fascinating but also uh, very mundane socialities that happen in Findom right where like um, you know boys will sort of loop each other in Mm. to uh, make money together or right. something mm-hmm. or like the women will sort of um, share information mm-hmm. about um, this sub or the other or share strategies or sort of mm-hmm. um, support each other there's this one very very recent development oh my god it's called a um, it's called a retweet game hmm. okay and so a sub like you're ready to play along at home (laughs) (laughs) a submissive will sort of come to a dominant or a dominant will suggest it or say that they're craving a retweet game Mm -hmm. and they'll say um, they'll post maybe a photo of themselves or something and say uh, this retweet game is going to go on for an hour 20 minutes 25 minutes Mm -hmm. and it's going to go uh, let's say um, one 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 Mm-hmm. and max uh, two comments. And so in a course of the 25 minutes or the hour or however long, um, we're just going to see how many people retweet, comment, or like mm-hmm. this tweet. Right. And at the end of it, you're going to give me the accumulation of that many dollars. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Like replies, comments. Right. Comments. And so oh. for those of us who know anything about Twitter, yeah. mm-hmm. um, that is based completely on the sort of like the communality of it, right? Mm-hmm. So um, your friends, right? Your fellow doms are obviously going to retweet you, mm-hmm. um, comment, like, and other uh, submissives who are following this Twitter account or whatever will also be doing this, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, there's also this weird like. But I, I mean, I would also retweet it. Yeah, I mean, because I'd be like, yeah, what? Well, like, <laughs> yeah. Get his money. Right? Yeah. Like, this is that. Yeah. That's exactly yeah, yeah. what they say. They just retweet and they say, get his money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the Twitter yeah. shut and like, the... is like, if people can, you know, yeah, like, people with money can suffer, and they just have to like or retweet. Why not? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, so probably that's why it blows up. Hmm. Uh, it's oh. a nice par- <clears throat> parallel to the kind of tweets like, I don't know. I'm an illustrator. I do great work. Please retweet so I can get right. more gigs. <laughs> right. <laughs> Again, at once mundane yeah. and at once yeah. exciting. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, this is my SoundCloud, or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. That's remarkable, too, the way it, like... Yeah, I mean, the way it brings in, like, the sociality of desire into this very closed system of, like, the, the dom. And, you know, it's like, it seems like a very dyadic, like, structure, the dom and the sub. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it becomes, like, all the more empty as if the room is all the more empty when it's like you're not even there together you're just sending money to a virtual point Mm. but the retweet game socializes this uh whatever whatever circuits of desire operating here in a really uh interesting and fun way (laughs) that we can all participate in (laughs) i can relate is there i mean of course there is but how does it how does it play out like the guilt component Oh, yeah. I mean, there's definitely a, like a, a narrative that circulates in the community about submissives who feel guilty, who drop out, 
right? There's also, from what I can tell, more recently, sort of the uh, sort of like safety and accountability discourse that we have in um, BDSM, you know, um, safe words, limits, aftercare, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I mean, to, to answer the question, I think it plays out in all sorts of ways. Um, but one of the ones that that people discuss the most, I think, are when um, somebody sends uh, too much and then they feel guilty and then they also the drop out. The dom feels guilty. Oh, never, hardly yeah. ever. No, so if someone feels, oh, you mean if they send too much, if the sub sends too much, right. then they feel guilty. Right. For having sent too much. Or right. Afterwards, yeah. and then they leave the scene for a while and they come back. I don't. I don't. It has. It actually has a proper name with like a proper. <laughs> With a proper infographic that yeah, um, somebody name. that somebody in the scene has has created, I think that, you know you just call it the I don't know the the cycle of I don't know the fin sub or oh, pay yeah, pig yeah, yeah. or something like that. It's pretty easy to find on the internet. I think it gets yeah. retweeted pretty often. But it, it essentially it's you know um, you pay, you feel guilty for paying, you drop out of the scene, you come crawling back, and then you sort of just do that over yeah, and over. Which again. is also part of the can't call it I guess like yeah sure yeah but what about the, the guilt of like the guilt is a reason to get into being a sub like does that play a role of like having too much money you know I mean subs actually range from they they're just they're uh, there's from what I can tell there's no consistent okay um, like demographic sort of, yeah class, class class demographic okay. yeah interesting so this is not just the idle pastime of rich dudes. No, not at all. I mean, uh, yeah, because that's I guess that's maybe a prejudice I had. I had sure. Because, like if you tell me Findom is like financial illumination, I was like, okay, it must be like rich guy. Was like sure. Step. Yeah, I mean, I think it it's worth thinking about the ways that money is libidinal, even for yeah people who don't have a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the, the that exposes the like we're assuming oh this is like the, this is like the weird kink a rich guy must yeah. have because he no, has too yeah. much money kind of overlooks precisely this uh this yeah. unconscious libidinal factor that's yeah, yeah. always present no yeah i mean people in financial domination they um they eroticize the idea of going broke all the time mm. so it's not it's not what we would call sort of a expendable income by any means right, right, right. so it's like actually <laughs> cool i wonder what form that this takes in china and hong kong I mean, I just must be so interesting. For me, I think it's just like all it takes is a sliding scale. You know, (laughs) all it takes is a sliding scale on somebody who's turned on by money and like we're there. Like that, that's it. You know what I mean? How do you plan to do research? I think without going to like methodology. I think mostly I'm starting with just um, the sort of the very basics of transaction, right? Um, I think, like for example, I'm thinking about going to sort of very public markets where people are already um, doing this very, these very boring but potentially radically transformed things of mm-hmm. uh, selling, buying, and also haggling, mm-hmm. right? And so with that in mind, I think I'm going to use that as sort of a jumping off point for other crazy things that people have spent money on or have heard other people spending money on. So like... Yeah, from the ground up, yeah, trying to run across things. Because you can't really go up to somebody and ask them if they've paid a CAN model. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you could also, you know, you could spend time on the web. Yeah, you could just do it. Yeah. Like, you could pay a CAN model. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. right. Sure. 
Um, yeah, because I imagine it would be quite. I, I remember like some people, you know, you know, porn studies or they they do quite participatory, like autoethnographic mm. uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. research. Like, okay, I'm gonna put you know profiles on all the like fat life or whatever, mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. talk to people there. Maybe disclosing that I'm a researcher, but I imagine for Findom, I don't know how how do, is it does it start? Uh, like, how do people find each other? If there is no like forum or is it like a chance encounters? You know, I mean, I think there are or something that develops out of. There are some. For me, it was Tumblr. Okay. Mm. For me, it was Tumblr. Um, it was just sort of surfing porn Tumblr and sort mm-hmm. of like bumping into it. Right. Okay. And I think it could be for. I think for most everyone, it's sort of. It could be anything from Tumblr to Twitter, to sort of like stumbling on like. Um, seeing the sort of links between, like, with other websites, right? OnlyFans, right? Mm. OnlyFans is financial domination. Mm. I mean, not, you know, mm. maybe people don't put in the uh, work of, like, no. being dominance, mm-hmm. but, right, they have these sort of monthly payments. The monthly payment is sort of, like, they set it at, you know, whatever rate they want. They can continue ex- accepting what OnlyFans calls tips, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Instagram influencers will post their Venmos and their PayPal's yeah on their profiles, right? So there are all sorts of like, you know, all roads lead to Findom type of things out there. (laughs) Well, that's what I was mentioning about live streamers. I mean, live streaming apps are basically... I have another suggestion. I have another suggestion. This is sort of a recent, this recent thing I found out. I mean, like, uh, that was Tumblr, right? Tumblr was like a, actually like a den of Chinese porn before it got like, all the porn got wiped out. It was there was a really vibrant community of amateur porn actually, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. not just people reposting, but also like original contributors that posted all kinds of weird fetish and stuff. Um, so after Tumblr died, I mean the porn Tumblr died. I um, discovered that a lot of these people migrated to Twitter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Then I discovered a sort of like a it's like a trick or. or so basically what it is that you go to Twitter and you can search any Chinese city names in, in Chinese characters and mostly what you see will be uh, gay porn and um, gay men calling out each other, they want a date or something and all kinds of, uh, yeah, like, uh, uh, like sort of quasi them. So, for example, people send out links like create codes. Other people can donate to them. They post like porn videos and stuff. Right. I've but, seen those. Yeah. It's on Twitter. It's all on Twitter, yeah. which is quite interesting. It's all uh, associated with uh, a particular city. And depending on what city you search, they're, they're actually quite different. Yeah, and I think I remember we were talking about this because the uh, why it happens is also, I think, because Twitter filters are not tailored for Chinese because hmm. if you post like something in English it's just like mm-hmm. keywords that are sensitive probably gonna get deleted hmm. but the Chinese stuff can thrive that is interesting though the that there's no other kind of local news when you search in mm. Chinese characters mm. the name of a place that there's no other local news except for ads Mm-hmm. Right, I think that I think that's that is really interesting, especially because right a lot of um, if we try to think of places that would use Han characters on mm-hmm. Twitter, we can really think of 
only very few places, and those places are more keen to use um, English, right? Hmm. Hong Kong, Taiwan, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. all like places that are very are capable of using English. Yeah, yeah and if you want to, like, they have a, they definitely have a presence on Twitter. Yeah, Just yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. If you wanna, if you wanna, I mean, it, well, of course, it's like, I mean, Twitter's banned in China. Yeah, because yeah. Twitter's banned, and the Chinese people, the Chinese yeah. people who use Twitter are probably not posting city relevant news mm-hmm. on it. Right. They might be talking yeah. about international politics. Or right. Whatever. Exactly. So that's why, like, there's a space beyond like censorship. A gap, yeah, actually. Yeah, a gap of, like, yeah, where things are allowed and people can actually use the search function to find each other because there is nothing that's super interesting yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. there you go yeah, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> an easy end right? there's so much stuff uh, the porn stuff the pornographic stuff will be diluted because there's too much information yeah but if you search like any second tier or third tier city mm. then, then it's like basically mostly pornographic stuff Amazing. Yeah, that's the uh, like public uh, toiletification uh, 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 of Twitter. Oh, <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. like I guess it wouldn't happen on like Weibo. They would have to yeah, devise strategies to like hide the content very differently. Yeah. I suppose um, maybe just uh, one last thing. No, sorry, <laughs> that I sort of have a curiosity about. If we're dispelling myths about Fendon here here on <laughs> yeah. our, our educational program, I think so. A, we think oh, it's just rich people doing it, and B. Uh, I definitely the first thing that pops in my head is like a rich man and a female dom and I think most of the media coverage that I have seen of it yeah. is like focuses on female doms whose clientele is um, you know yeah like rich dudes probably because that makes for a good story because it's like you know yeah, the anti-finance rich schadenfreude mm-hmm. kind of like viral potential to go viral in that way right but um, you said that in in your uh, in your knowledge of it, sort of actually began focused on like uh, homosexual context. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, you know, um, <clears throat> words are weird and this sort of thing, right? Because mm-hmm. so much of it for me, what made it interesting for me was the sort of like the sliding scale of what it takes to make straight men do not so straight things. Right. right? The sort mm-hmm. of like the like the the like queer. The, the queer approach of sort of like, yeah. um, of, of what exactly are the sort of conditions of what we call gay for pay, right? And mm-hmm. like, what are its limits mm-hmm. and whatever, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. And where does sort of identity become um, incapable of addressing what, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, right now also, I think there's a lot of stuff coming up in the scene about, you know, some people who uh, don't want to uh, tribute switches, right? People who... Mm-hmm. Um, send money and also receive money, um, and oh. then there are also people who will talk about who that who no longer want to send money to straight dominance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there are some people who really like the sort of um, power exchange of like homophobia play, right? Of being mm-hmm. uh, called a fag or a queer, of like all of these very sort of mm-hmm. um, coded languages, right? And so all of these sort of um, preferences are starting to sort of come up as people more and more people you know start to learn about it um but uh when i first bumped into it i want to say in 2013 mm-hmm. oh, that's pretty early yeah in 2013 and from what i hear with the people from people who are in it then um a really big part of the scene was that it was seen right another one of those words that we use specifically for 
uh, BDSM, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The scene was uh, largely, uh, I think, um, you know, gay or something men Mm -hmm. um, sending money to purportedly straight men. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, not the other way around. Why would it be the other way around? Because you said the... Straight men sending money to gay men? Yeah, because you said how, how, like, you're interested in this lighting scale of, uh, like, how... Seems like the, oh, right, right, right. like money's kind of could be able to unravel, yeah, like yeah, the myth of like straightness and yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I think I was thinking more along the lines of um, the the gay for pay model, uh-huh. right? The person who um, is not gay but will sort of do whatever for the money. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, <clears throat> do do you know beyond your exposure to the existence of this? Scene is that the is is that the set of relationships that Findom as such grows out of, or that just happens to be the first window into it that you found? I don't I don't know that. Um, I maybe I don't understand the question, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It feels it feels very. Yeah. I don't know. I want to say I want to say it feels a little chicken or the egg. Yeah, word. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah, um, I just mean like of all the sort of like. If we're doing a genealogy of Findom, or if any of our listeners want to write in with mm. their own <laughs> research on it, <clears throat> like uh, yeah, just knowing out of all of the all of the permutations of like gender, sex, uh, like preferences, Transaction. transactions, yeah, like yeah. Uh, if it grew out of a specific community or specific kind of uh, transactional alignment, then that's that's just historically interesting to know, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean. All roads, right? Yeah. Um, but, but, but ultimately, I think my claim would be that um, it was um, financial technologies that made it take the form that mm. we are most familiar with now, mm. right? Because mm. it's, you know, we've spent um, most of our time as humans mm-hmm. um, paying for things. Yeah. Perhaps not most, but quite, quite quite a memorable amount of time paying for things, right? And so it doesn't take much of a stretch of imagination to say that um, you can pay someone to do X, Y, Z thing. Um, But what was it that made it take this kind of, you know, um, ultra-mediated form? Yeah, yeah. Um, And I would say one of the things is financial applications. Right, it's the tech itself. Yeah. I think it's also interesting that in a way the 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 being financially dominated like outside of findom it's quite common topic in the critiques of uh, financialization of society yeah that you know people are in everyday life dominated by finance right like you know you pay taxes you have to pay for yeah right it's not just consumerism it's more like extract extractivism capitalism so i wonder if this is like the larger framework in which findom becomes a way of reclaiming right some kind of agency Right. Um, along with the risk of, like, getting broke, which is, you know... Yeah, I mean, I think if not if not agency, certainly the sort of, like, last shreds of pleasure right. that, right. like, okay. capitalism okay. avails okay. to us, mm. right? Um, you know, I think, I think um, you know, those of us who uh, uh, do ethnography would really like to say that we found something that is... Um, uh, transgressive or or hopeful right um but sometimes it you know sometimes it isn't sometimes what you find is you know precisely the financialization of intimacy but i mean i think 
Yeah, I think, yeah. For me, I think the fun part is precisely that, that like datification of intimacy where it becomes um, somehow uh, the money and the media uh, makes it less about um, immediacy or mm. presence or bodies. Yeah. 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 And like I think a version of intimacy without bodies is, I mean, it's a lot of things, but first it's, you know, I think it's, it's fascinating and potentially fun. Mm. Have you come across anything in Taiwan? Um, not really. Okay. I mean, I'm, you know, again, uh, the, the time isn't really yeah, yeah. that available, but um, I mean, certainly there's a lot of crazy gamification of capital here in Taiwan right, as yeah, well. Yeah. There's, you know, like there's lottery <coughs> tickets that you can't lose on. There's um, a lottery ticket with every receipt that you ever received. Yes. There's little stickers at at every store for you to collect to win prizes. There are um, claw, machines. claw machines on every block. You know, a lot of things that sort of have a similar underlying logic of like um, bountiful and endless pleasure that has no um, sure price, right? And I think that's one of the, also one of the, the, the sort of interesting things about um, Things like FinDom and its relationship to, to, to extractive capital is that um, it's precisely that weird um, sliding scale thing about interactions, right? Like, and pr it's precisely because we don't know how much we're willing to pay or how much something is supposed to cost that makes it neither transgressive or um, liberating and also kind of like, it makes it also kind of condemning and potentially violent and deadly. Yeah. I think I have a maybe last my, for me my last question maybe Dino and Matt has more, but because we talked about our preconceptions and what have you been looking into, but I'm now curious. Then is there like a lesbian fandom scene? I haven't encountered. I haven't encountered one. So I mean, it probably is, but it's separate. Yeah. Or I haven't encountered one. I mean, I'm yeah. You know, I I am sure that some of the uh, female doms, um, I'm sure, have uh, can certainly have interactions like that. Mm -hmm. um, but based on the data collected from sort of the um, self-produced media and like self-branding alone, um, much of the media is directed at um, submissives who will seem to be men okay yeah, yeah. Uh, probably consistent with the how capitalism is has been mostly sure yeah men having mm -hmm. money <laughs> i don't know i was just thinking about um what i observed with um live streamers they right. actually had infrastructure a lot of live streaming platforms actually has a, a very particular infrastructure to encourage uh financial in a distance, maybe you can call it financial domination or, 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 I mean, transaction at least, they want to encourage it. So, for example, there's one platform, what they do is they have this ranking. I think after a while, all the platform has this. Basically, ranking of live streamers according to the amount of donations they would amass in a week. Mm. So, if your favorite live streamer is ranked, say, I don't know, like, number one in this 
least of I mean this uh, competition basically about well, I'm sitting the most money then uh, you would be happy about it obviously uh, the people who chip in they are certainly the whatever the so-called whales mm-hmm. and this doesn't <laughs> really uh, this applies to both this applies to both um, female and male streamers so this competition is in terms of gender it's quite equal it's not like if you look at the top of the list they're half female maybe half male sometimes i mean relatively equal not not all females so um you would have uh people who donate uh like you said earlier not just the people who are like big big spenders they certainly are big spenders who say donate like sometimes um like millions overnight mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. to boost the ranking of this person's favorite streamer and in most cases they have to return the flavor by by return the mark it's, it's not exactly ah, okay. like in, in the case of the big whales who spend that much it's not actually a donation because it's more of a favor more of a favor because you have to return the money um, so it's also like a sort of under the table transaction between the platform and the the, the whoever the big spender is because you know they get the money back but the platform get the traffic get the sort of yeah overall really good stats to attract further further investments so it's sort of winning for every party right so um but uh, over time there will be the big the the money the platform makes actually mostly from the smaller spenders yeah, people yeah. who donate consistently uh, over a small amount of money but over a period, long period of time uh, these sort of actual fans uh, they become obsessed a lot of them and they're not a lot of these people the one for example there's one guy I interviewed he lives in a basement in Beijing like he basically uh, was struggling himself but you know he wants to donate money every month Mm-hmm. like say 500 maybe, maybe that's uh, that's all the money you can save every month but you would donate all of it to the live stream not necessarily for the sake of um, not necessarily the live stream would need the money more than him but you know like he wants to do it I mean um, so I guess uh, that's sort of partly how the economy works uh, especially on live streaming platforms um, it's quite it's uh, a lot of time I think this sort of stuff are really unexplored and also quite difficult to explore yeah. because you really need a lot of insider information. And it sounds like it's a crossover like fandom and fandom. Right. <laughs> yeah. And plus it's like, sense, yeah. is it like, what's it called? Insider trading or like when you invest, yeah. you know, like right. you invest in something, but then you have like casinos, you know, stars playing casinos just to attract mm-hmm. other people. I don't know. Yeah. Like, right. It's a lot of things. So what did this uh, what did this particular interlocutor have to say about about his experiences of do- sending donations? He felt, according to him, that the live streamer was the only like he, he in his own words is the only light in his life. That his life was really dark. That that living in a city as a migrant worker, I think he worked worked as a kitchen hand. Uh, mm. That he basically that's the only joy that made life uh, I mean worth it 
in right. national zones. So uh, that's how the, how important the live streamer was to him, you know. But uh, you know, that, that's probably more people like him. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Who are actually spending a lot of money. Uh, actually, all of their savings on live streamers, not necessarily because of. Uh, sexual fantasies maybe there is a degree of sexual fantasy I don't know if, right. if the person uh, was gay he didn't tell me but you know um, that there's clearly uh, a, a, a psychological uh, reliance on, mm. on really doing something for the last human that he really loved cool do you have more thoughts no I just wait, wouldn't it be cool if this podcast accidentally created Findom in the Chinese speaking world <laughs> like, I doubt it I, it's you know there's honestly no way that I could possibly yeah. doubt that some version of it yeah. already exists yeah. um, it's funny though though uh, based on um, Dino's point I do wonder if um, this, this is a very funny thought about what, what would Findom look like if um dominance were just nicer mm. right if like domination wasn't sort of um one of its um vital characteristics right because much of live streaming unlike yeah. financial domination right live streaming is is about performing presence right and you know saying that you're there for them and being there at the same time every day and yeah, there's function a function as a kind of a support yeah, like yeah. Support structures yeah for yeah. people yeah yeah Nice Findom. That's the next trend. <laughs> <laughs> thank cool. you, thank you for having. No, thank me. you for for. <laughs> I don't know. I hope totally it helps awesome. articulate some stuff. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, if yeah, if anybody, any of our listeners have questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Either people who uh, who say in the Chinese speaking world are Findoms yeah. and want to volunteer to be informants, <laughs> or people who have a fetish for being an informant. All the anthropologists. anthropologists. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Get in touch. honestly, like we, talk, I mean, often, I mean, that's sort of one of the really big uh, conflicts of being an one of the main conflicts mm -hmm. of being an anthropologist is what exactly, like, what position are you putting your interlocutors into yeah. sharing this type of thing? But quite frankly, um, I think all of us who have read ethnographies that we are turned on by, mm. um, I mean, I'm sure this will only ever sort of, you know, encourage people to support their local Findom. <laughs> great. I, I, you know, I cool. don't think, yeah. But I think this is a great, like, would be a great methodological point to expand because, like, the whole idea of the professional informant in anthropology. Right. And the colonial uh, use of anthropology to, for domination. Right. Right, it's like, yeah. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. There's so much... Um, that you you will do with it yeah i mean you know for the record um a lot of my twitter is it's it's shit posting oh yeah that's yeah. that's all of us it's <laughs> like it loves irony and sometimes i'll post very sort of um uh economical like things relating to anything remotely economic mm. just mm. as a way of saying that this is also, also financial domination yeah sure mm -hmm. <laughs> Everything is financial domination. So donate to our podcast. All roads lead to Pendam. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Nell. Yeah, of course. It's been a huge pleasure. Yeah. So happy to be Thanks in the same much. room. And there's this lovely living room in Taipei. So. Right on. Um, also, gonna say goodbye to Patrick. Yeah. As he heads back. 
back, to the U.S. Back to UC Berkeley. Yeah. Bye, Dino. Yeah, bye, Dino. Bye, Gab. Bye, bye Noah. Bye. Um, it's been great in this part of the world. Bye. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. I don't know. We'll, we'll see All you right. next time. Cheers. Cheers.